Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Um, jumping into part two of a series that we started last week called Built Together. And so where we're going with this series, many of you know, we're in the process of um, having a church home. We've been meeting in the school for about seven years now, and we've got a church property coming our way over on South Peters Road. And so there's going to be a journey for a few months of remodeling that space, getting it ready for us and moving over there. But one of the things that is so important that we understand is that the people are the church, not the building. And that's been very evident to us meeting in a temporary space, you know, where we're taking a gym and trying to make it feel as, as sanctuary as it can be. Um, but it's, it's really easy in this season to remember we're the church. But as we move into the new building, let's never lose sight of that. And so that's what this series is really about. It's not the building that's being worked on or built down the road. It's about us being built up in Christ as individuals, being united together as a local church body, but also realizing we are a part of the greater body of Christ here in Knoxville and around the world. And and God wants us to to recognize all of those facets, who we are individually as as the temple of the Holy Spirit and who we are collectively as the body of Christ. And so we just set some real foundational things last Sunday, um, reminding ourselves that first and foremost, God's the builder, not us. We're not building something and we're definitely not building something for someone's name or brand or legacy. This is about Christ and his church. And we have our moment in time when we walk this earth, but we are a part of a larger story that is unfolding. We get to be a part of his eternal family. And so the scripture tells us, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. We don't wanna do that. We wanna cooperate with what he's building, with what he's doing. So he takes the lead. It's his design. It's his empowerment. And our job is, Lord, how do we walk with you? How do we cooperate with what you wanna build? And then we all have an important part to play. And so the title of our series, Built Together, um, it comes from um, a a Greek word that's in Ephesians 2.22 that says, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And that, that little phrase, that Greek word, it can, it can have kind of two facets of meaning. It can mean collectively we are working on something together, right? So me and Alex built something together. Like that's one way that word can be used. Side by side, arm in arm, we each contributed and we built something together. Also, that word means many different parts coming together into one whole. So we are built together. And that is exactly what God intends for us as the church. We both cooperate in the building. We bring our gifts, our callings, our abilities. We each have a hand in it in in helping it come together. But we are also being brought together. We're individual parts of a whole that God is building. So we are being built together. And so um, we talked about how during the course of this series, we're gonna talk about the importance of community, just knowing each other, walking together. 
We're gonna talk about the importance of understanding things like our spiritual gifts, uh, just practice, like natural abilities that we have, skills we've acquired over the years, how God wants to use all of that through your life to touch this world, like to build up his church and to reach out beyond the walls of the church to touch our community. And then finally, part of what God wants to do through us as we're being built together is one of the primary ways we grow in our character, one of the primary ways we grow into maturity is through relationship with other people. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Like iron sharpens iron. That sounds like a great phrase, right? Like, yeah, we're iron sharpening iron. What actually happens when iron hits iron? There's friction, man. Sparks fly. Rough edges get knocked off. Like it sounds glorious. You know, the idea of being in relational community, doesn't it sound wonderful? Do you know people? <laughs> Have you dealt with them, right? Now, I say that somewhat jokingly because there, it is rich and rewarding to be in healthy, strong community, but it's, it's difficult. And God said, that's exactly what I want for you. I wanna use those challenges and that difficulty to shape and refine and mold you. And so those are kind of the three sections we're gonna walk through together as we, we unpack this series. So this morning, we're starting about five weeks of exploring what it looks like to be in community together. Um, I just have to say, this is not gonna be like exhaustive. I mean, we could teach on community for weeks. This morning, we're gonna talk about being a worshiping community. We could do a 12-week series on worship. But uh, my hope is that we get a deep sense of why it's so important that worship be a central part of our lives individually and for us as a church. And so we are to be a worshiping community. It gets right to the heart of the issue. This is about our heart, who we are in our heart. What does our heart behold, adore? What does our heart aim at? And so we're talking about worship. So let me pray for us one more time. And then we're gonna be going through Romans chapter 12 over the next five weeks. Um, we're gonna be looking at just a few verses together this morning. And so let's just one more time, ready our hearts, invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and, and teach us how we are to be a worshiping community. And so Jesus, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are glorious. Father in heaven, creator of the universe, creator of each of us. You've numbered the hairs on our head. God, we are in awe of you. Holy Spirit, wow, we are in awe of the fact that God, you would come and make your home within us, that you invite us to abide in you and you wanna abide in us. What a gift. Glorious God, our heavenly Father, the precious Son, Jesus, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. God, we worship you. Lord, would you remind us of things we've forgotten or neglected? God, teach us things that maybe we don't know. And ultimately, God, may we be inspired, not just today, not just on our Sunday gatherings when we sing, but God, would we be inspired to live as worshipers? You are certainly worthy of it, and we were made for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, well, we're gonna cover just three verses this morning. So let me start by reading all three of these and then we'll look more closely at verse one in a moment. This is Romans chapter 12, verses one through three. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God 
which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Amen? We're called to be worshipers. So point number one this morning is worship means being a living sacrifice. That's what Paul's saying here. The heart of worship is about being a living sacrifice. Let's look again more closely at verse one. I appeal to you. That's, that's pretty strong language. Like I'm appealing you, pay attention, see this, recognize it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God. Like it's God's gift that we can even step into this invitation. It's not by my strength, my might. It is the gift of God. It's his gracious mercy that enables me to do what? to present my body as a living sacrifice. How did, how, how did we come to receive God's mercy? By his sacrifice. It's by his mercy and his sacrifice that we can now come and live sacrificially. Our act of worship is sacrificial. Holy and acceptable to God. Now, now holy can, can and does mean um, there's a sense of like walking in some moral purity, but Really, in its essence, it just means set apart. Like, I belong to him. That's the idea. I'm his. My heart is his. My life is his. I belong to him. And if I live that way, if I operate that way, I will start to look more holy. He'll refine me as I allow my heart and my life to be set apart from him. And this is our spiritual act of worship. So, so Paul's defining worship here. Now there's, there's five or six different Greek words in the New Testament that are used to describe worship. This particular one, it means serving. So this is a very active word. Um, and so throughout the New Testament, like there's all these different words. Some mean a very like humble reverence. Some have to do with like outward expressions of worship. You know, I think rightfully so, we call what we do for a few songs at the beginning of the service, worship. That is an element of worship. We're giving voice to, um, we're setting our hearts upon, we're using instruments to glorify God. That's an aspect of it. But worship is all encompassing. It's the aim of my mind. It's the focus of my heart. The way, the way I live and serve and minister to the Lord. It's, it's poured out in explanations of worship as I sing. Is this making sense? So this is the heart of worship. So I thought what we would do to kind of unpack this a little bit, um, Psalm 100 does a great job of giving us a sense of like what worship is all about. So let's just walk through this together a little bit this morning. So Psalm 100, we're just gonna read all five verses. I might pause along the way and highlight some things. And there's kind of three big things that I hope emerge out of this to us, but there's a lot packed in here. Psalm 100, beginning in verse one. This is a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Are any of my fellow bad singers in here grateful that it says joyful noise? Uh, that's what me and Micah do on Sunday mornings. Um, we just sing up here and make a noise that is joyful. And that's, that's really all we've got. Um, 
But I thank God that we can just, we bring him what we've got. Like those of you who sing well, I'm so glad that you do. Sing loud <laughs> so we can hear that. Um, but listen, we, we come as we are and it's, it's a joyful response to the God who loves us. Verse two, serve the Lord with gladness. So we both express joyfully, but our, our serving, our pouring out, it, it's an act, it's a joyful response to the Lord. See how the psalmist sees this as all interconnected? We serve, we sing. Come into his presence with singing. Verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. Guys, this is so crucial. When we worship God, we need to be worshiping him for who he is, for who he says he is. That's why a key part of our worship is sound doctrine. Like doctrine's not meant to be this like heavy, bad word. It's healthy. It sets us on a firm footing. It lets us know who God really is. I mean, how, how odd would it be for someone to be you know, telling you about um, their, their close friend, Jake Spencer. And they're like, oh man, do you know, do you know my friend Jake? Man, he's the best. He's, he's a great singer. He's just an incredible musician, um, you know. And, and you just be looking at them if you know me going, I don't think we're talking about the same person. That guy can't sing and he definitely doesn't play any instruments, right? You'd, you'd be immediately confused. That's not who he is. Like, I wanna be known for who I am and love for that, in fact, so many times in life, we're striving to be loved and we're making an effort to maybe even be something we're not because we're afraid of the rejection we might experience. Well, one of the things that ought to make us worship God is he's the one person who will always take us as we are. He loves us just the way that he made us. And listen, I'm not gonna get off in this because it's not what the sermon is about. Even in our sin and brokenness, he loves us. Now he loves us enough to bring us out of that, to heal and to forgive and restore, but he loves us. And so he loves us in our frailty, those, those things we, we aren't crazy about, about ourselves. He's like, but I made you like that. And even in that weakness, even in that frailty, you're glorifying me in that. I love you as you are. And so then in worship, what we do is we come to him as we are, but listen, let's take him as he is. So many ills in the church would be solved if we would just worship God for who he says he is. Instead of trying to make him into our image, into what we would like for him to be. It would solve a lot. And so worship isn't just an emotional expression, although we get to use our emotions to express gratitude or joy or sadness. But I can come to him in my sadness and go, God, this is my reality, but I trust you. But friends, when we worship, we need to know who we're worshiping. And so we know him. He is God. Sadly, if I reflect on some of my times of worship they can be pretty demanding. And I, I don't often, I'm not necessarily doing this on purpose, but there's times where I'm like, wow, Lord, I, I feel, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I'm sort, of, I'm sort of standing in your place. Like I'm kind of demanding for you to come and do some things instead of realizing I'm the creature, you are the creator, you're God. 
when we know who he is and we worship him for who he is, it puts everything in right perspective. And then it's a joy. Like at first glance, there might be things about God's character, his attributes that are challenging for me. But when I come into his presence, when I get to know him for who he really is and what he's really like, I will discover this is exactly what I need. I was made by him. I was made for him. And when I encounter him for who he really is, it's life-changing. It's life-giving. It's restorative. And so we worship this God. Who is he? It's he who made us. We are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In the pasture, who's worried, the sheep or the shepherd? Who's having to watch out for problems, the sheep or the shepherd? In fact, usually what gets the sheep into trouble is they're clueless. I'm gonna wander off. Any of you guys ever seen that silly little video that goes around that sheep is hopping all around and he lands in the ditch and then they pry him out and he takes three hops and is right back in the ditch? Like it's a mess, but also there's a gloriousness to just like, God, I can just kind of freely enjoy your presence in this place that you have me and you've got me. You've got me. It's a good thing. See, I usually get insulted when, I, when I'm told in the scripture, like I'm a sheep, he's the shepherd. It's like, that feels humbling, but it's like, it's freeing. I don't have to be God. I can let him be God. I can worship him for who he is and I can enjoy being the sheep of his pasture. How do we draw in close to him? We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and bless his name. And why can we do all that? Because of who he is. The Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Doesn't always feel like that, does it? But it does endure forever. He is steadfast. He is faithful. He is good. And he's faithful to all generations. I can serve him. I can sing to him. I'm meant to enjoy his presence and be, be with him for who he is. That's worship. I believe this is kind of gets to the heart of what Jesus is talking about when he's communicating with the woman at the well. Y'all know that story in John 4. If you don't, you can go read, read it. It's an incredible encounter. But in the midst of their conversation, he says to her, in light of the fact, they're discussing where should we gather to worship? Here on this mountain, the temple in Jerusalem, in a gym in Knoxville, like where do we gather to worship him? And Jesus like, forget all that. The hour is coming and is now here. This is John 4, 23 and 24. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and and in truth. I take him as he is. I come as I am. Like I, I bring my all. Here's who I am. I sing, I serve, I enjoy your presence. And God, I get to know you for who you are. And it's powerful. Worship focused on Jesus. Why is it important for us to be a worshiping community? Because it's really easy in Christian community to get distracted by a whole lot of other things. Now, there are things that he will direct us to and call us to do, but it keeps the main thing the main thing. This is about Jesus. It's about who he is. It's about what he has done. It's about what he is actively doing in our lives, in our homes, in our local church body, what he wants to do here in Knoxville. And it's about realizing he's up to something out into the future. 
And so if I come and encounter him and worship him and I keep that the main thing, my prayer is that this would always be the main thing for our church community. Jesus first and always. Amen? That's what I want. So when this happens, when we step into this kind of worship, and listen, it is costly. Like Paul, you know, Paul's using strong words here. A living sacrifice? I mean, what's a sacrifice? Something dies. So I'm living a life of sacrifice. Now, the beauty of the kingdom is we gain by losing. We find life by dying, but it's still painful. But when I, when I accept worship as this all-encompassing thing that involves my whole self that will be sacrificial, when I move past just the religiosity of worship being a moment on Sundays where I occasionally show up and we do some things, when worship is really a life given to Christ, then the next thing that happens is powerful and beautiful and wonderful. We're made new. We are renewed and shaped. We will be shaped by what we worship. And so when we worship him, we are renewed and shaped by him. Romans 12, verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, we are shaped by what we worship. So a really good place of reflection this morning, and I would say always is, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? What do I think about? What do I focus on? What's the aim of my life? Who am I becoming? I'm not talking about perfection but where am I headed? Who am I becoming? What I am beholding, what I am valuing, what I treasure, what I think about and aim at, that will shape my life. As worshipers, we become what we worship. And friends, I just have to tell you, whether you realize it or not, you are worshiping. We can't help it. It's hardwired in. We were made to be worshipers. We worship, it's what we do. And so if we set our aim on Christ, the beauty of that is when I, when I worship him, when I set my aim on him, then all the things of this world that, that would distract, that would destroy, that would tear down, all of that dissipates because Christ is all. He has my heart. He has my mind. And so he begins to shape and transform me. Listen, this is what Jesus is talking about when the teachers of the law are like looking to trap him and, you know, they're frustrated at every turn because Jesus has the words of life and they're, they're sensing we're losing our, our power, our authority, um, our grip on things. And so uh, the Pharisees get together and they send one of their guys at him with a question. What's the most important command? In other words, what's primary? What is ultimate and Primary. And this is how Jesus responds, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Some other, other translations will throw in all your strength. What's the idea? All encompassing. I love him with my whole self. My heart, like that thing that, that decides what's important to me. My mind, what I dwell upon and think about. My body, my strength, what I'm doing. 
It all belongs to him. This is the great and first commandment, Jesus says. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then consider the weight of what he says here. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. It's the whole thing is getting this. And so if we recognize this, what happens is to worship God is to know him. To worship God is to love him. It's to know him. It's to love him. And then what? It's to give ourselves to him. That's what Paul has been saying. That's what Jesus is saying. To worship God is to know him for who he is. It's to love him for who he is. And it's to give ourselves to him. And when we live like that, we are changed. We are refined. We are made new. This is so much more than an emotional expression. It's deeper than that. The life of Christ gets down into us. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty aware, like, I still need some work. Like, there's some things that need to change. And by God's grace, when I worship him, when I come into his presence, when I spend time around him, what happens when I'm around him? I'm changed. I'm made new. The God I'm, I'm looking at, discovering, enjoying, walking through life with, that begins to shape and refine my character, who I am. And I'm made new in his presence. I had a very just kind of, I don't know, it was just a very real moment. Alex and I, um, participated yesterday morning in a, a graveside service. We were leading some worship and doing some, some comforting and encouraging yesterday morning. And I won't get into the whole story or the situation, but I was, I was struck by something incredible. And I just, I felt like it's like, this is what worship is. There's a young mother just, just a year plus into her marriage. Their first child died at birth unexpectedly. And the mother specifically said, I would really like as a part of our service, if we could sing some songs, I would have been singing over my son. And y'all, we sat with this precious family and sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. Has a little more depth and meaning in a moment like that, doesn't it? There's a mom by faith. And y'all, that is it. Because that's not the reality she is seeing or experiencing. I can only imagine the, the depth of feeling of like, Really, Jesus, to little ones, like you've got them, you've got my son. Grappling with the tragedy of that moment and being able to find the words to muster the kind of faith that says, Jesus, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but this is who you are. You're my savior and, and you do get it because you gave your life. And there is a father who has given a son and so God, I am choosing to take you at your word for who you say you are, even though everything in my life right now screams the opposite, that you're not good and you're not faithful and you've let my dreams be broken 
And yet I'm choosing to take you as you are at your word and sing this simple truth in faith. Y'all, that is worship. That's worship. And so it is joy when things are good and we're in seasons of blessing and we glorify God and thank him for that. But it's worship. That's a sacrifice of praise right there. I hope I'm never in that situation, but if I am, I hope I will respond like that precious mother did and is. We are shaped by what we worship. The only way this family is even able to walk the road that they're walking right now is because they're deeply rooted in their faith in Jesus because they worship him individually. They worship him together and they're finding strength in being a part of a family that worships God and that can remind each other of the truth that they know that they really need right now. And they can love him in the midst of that difficulty. That's worship. We are born worshipers. We will worship something or someone. May this be a part of our everyday life. So in any season of life, we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Moving into one final point this morning, I just think it's this beautiful thing that happens, that transpires when we choose to be a people who worship. When we choose to live life this way, there's this thing that begins to take place. We're gonna touch on a couple verses in Ephesians here in a minute, but I wanna start with Ephesians 5, verses one and two. Paul writes and he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitators of God as beloved children. One of the things that happens all the time is my son Micah just mimics what I'm doing. So if, if you know him, you've seen that. I mean, he'll even sit the same way I'm sitting. If I cross my leg, he crosses his leg, you know? Like he just mimics me. But that, that imitation, it's like he's looking at his dad and mimicking it. That's worship. And so as we're around the Lord, we, we just, we love who he is and we begin to live that way. We begin to imitate him. And so as beloved children, his beloved kids, we're just like, I wanna be with dad. I wanna be like dad. And we're around him and it rubs off on us. And so what do we do to be like him? And we walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is why what we worship, we will imitate. Y'all, this is, this is what discipleship means. Discipleship is spending time around Jesus and his life and his ways and who he is rubbing off on us. A disciple imitates the one discipling them. That we may know his love and that we may walk in it. And so this beautiful thing happens. As we are imitating Christ, as we are walking with him, there is this grace that he gives us that is powerful. Romans 12, verse three now. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, the next couple of verses make it clear what Paul has in mind here. He is talking about humility and seeing ourselves properly, but he's talking about us in the context of community. He goes on in verses four and five to describe that we're a part of a body and we all play a different part and we're all meant to fit together. And so what happens is when I live as a worshiper, 
and I'm following Christ, I'm falling in love with Christ, and his life is becoming more and more my life, then this grace comes upon me, and I begin to recognize by this grace that I am a part of a larger whole. And that we fit together in this really humble and glorifying way. And so when our worship is aimed at Jesus, what happens is we're all aimed at the same thing. And so the beautiful byproduct is what? Unity. It's unity. We find and discover unity because we're worshiping him together. I've, I've got a silly example of this. I'll acknowledge it's silly up front. Um, but a couple of years ago, it was like around the 4th of July, might've even been the day of. And so as, as a good old American, I'm at a fireworks tent on 4th of July. And I'm in this tent and you know, I'm living in Tennessee, but I grew up in Houston, Texas. And so I'm wearing my Houston Astros cap, walking into the fireworks tent. And the guy in the tent sees my hat and he's like, hey, you're, you're an Astros fan? Now these days, Sadly, if there's any baseball fans in here, there was a little bit of a cheating thing that happened a few years ago. So we're getting looked down on these days. Um, but up in the 90s when they struggled, I'm still holding on to those World Series titles. But he's like, are you an Astros fan? I'm like, oh no, here it goes. And he's like, I grew up in Houston. I'm like, oh really? And then we start talking about where we grew up in Houston and not too far from each other. And y'all, in 10 minutes, this guy's my best friend. And we're talking about Astros players from like the late 80s, early 90s. There's names coming to mind that they have not been on the register for a long time. And all of a sudden here they come. And we bond in one moment over this thing. I don't know this. I don't even remember the guy's name right now but I immediately found community and we immediately had shared moments and experiences even though we've never met. Have y'all discovered the joy yet of that happening with followers of Christ? It's one of the coolest things to find someone else who loves Jesus and you just start sharing the life of Jesus and you just discover we're a part of something. You love him. I love him. Look at what he's doing. And it's incredible to show up even in other places and locations and go, wow, the thing God's kind of stirring over here in my heart or in my community, he's stirring it over here too. How does that happen? Not because we did a bunch of networking, not because we put out some big campaign and tried to convince everybody to be a part of our thing. We worship Jesus. And we found ourselves in community. We find ourselves in community with other people who are worshiping Jesus. And the byproduct is when the church of Jesus worships him in truth, when our eyes are fixed upon him, then it's his agenda, his priorities, not our own that takes center stage. And we discover unity. We get to enjoy it. Paul writes about this in Ephesians. I was already talking about Ephesians 5 and he's, he's unpacking in that whole um, section about how to, how to walk in love, how to walk in unity. And he highlights some things to avoid and some things to step into. And so after kind of pointing out like, don't be unwise, don't be evil or foolish, don't give yourself to drunkenness. Instead, do this, Ephesians 5, beginning in like the middle of verse 18. Be filled with the spirit. What is that? Communion with God. The Holy Spirit is present in my life. I'm worshiping God. I've given myself over to him. Be filled with the Spirit. And then what do we do? We address one another 
in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see how how specific he's being? Like he's reminding us of who our God is. Oh yeah, it's the Father in heaven. It's his son, Jesus Christ. Remind each other of these truths by singing together. And what do we do? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So much of the discord that exists within our own fractured relationships, in our homes, in our families and friendships, fractured relationships within local church community, the fractures we see just in the church writ large, so much of that discord would be solved simply through proper worship. It's really hard to be angry at or to despise or to turn your nose up at the bride of Christ. When I love Jesus and now I'm looking at who he loves, he'll give me love for his broken and imperfect bride. By worshiping God for who he really is with our whole selves, we are being renewed. And what will happen if we live this way, friends, is we will find ourselves united. Not because we're trying really hard to be united, but because when our hearts are aligned with Christ, we will find ourselves aligned with each other. It's different instruments playing the same song for the glory of God. That's who we're called to be as worshipers. I wanna read to you, one of my favorite books is The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. I hope that you're familiar with it. If you're not, you got a treat coming. Go read it. But I wanna read you this quote talking about worship. A.W. Tozer says it this way. Has it ever occurred to you, and and he's writing from a time long past, but has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork? I don't, do we tune pianos to forks anymore, tuning forks? Do we still do that? As I mentioned earlier, I'm not a musician. Okay, well then this still has some modern relevance. But you should use the the fork, right? Okay. (laughs) Let's start over. (laughs) Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each looking away to Christ, are in one heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive towards closer fellowship. We spend so much time and energy trying to muster up some unity and we can't figure out why it doesn't work. And all we really need to do is align our hearts to Christ, be tuned into him. And by his grace, he will give us a love and a unity for one another. He loves when worship looks like that. It's good and pleasant to him when his children dwell together in unity. Amen? Now, I don't say what comes next to do like a pat me on the back or any of the rest of us, but something incredible happened in our pre-service prayer this morning. We got a taste of God doing this very thing. 
I've not said a word to Melinda, Alex, anybody about the topic I was preaching on this morning. And in our prayer time, Melinda starts praying. She goes, I just, I just really get this sense. I'm like drawn to Romans 12, one and two. And she starts kind of even quoting that verse. The Lord brought her to that this morning. I'm like, Melinda, that's what I'm preaching on. And then a little while later, we're, we're praying. Alex is like, guys, I got this vision. I just feel like the Lord gave me this picture of like, when we're, when we're united in worship and we link arms, we're like lifted up and the walls that divide us, it's like the walls don't even matter because the Lord lifts us up above them where they're just out of the way. And I'm like, bro, that's where the sermon is ending is on unity in worship. And it was that moment of like, we didn't talk, go, hey, what are we gonna do this morning? What's the plan? What's the strategy? It's like, we're worshiping Jesus. We're in his word. And like, and he goes, oh, look, I've got y'all on the same page because we're just worshiping him. That's not to say I'm somehow super spiritual. I miss stuff all the time, okay? It's not about that. It's just to say it's a picture of this. When we look away to Christ, when we worship him, when he has our focus, friends, something powerful and healing takes place. He heals and renews our own broken hearts and spirits as we worship him. And he brings healing within his body because he unites us together as we look away to him, aimed at him. That's the kind of community I wanna be a part of. I wanna participate in that. I wanna worship Jesus with my whole heart. And I wanna watch and enjoy what takes place when a community does that together. Amen? Let's pray. God, we're just in awe of who you are, the true and living God the creator of the universe, our savior who loves us sacrificially, faithfully, forever and ever. God, thank you that you are not distant or remote, but you give us your spirit, your very presence, that we may abide in you and you may abide in us. Lord, what a precious gift. God, may we individually, may we as a church, May each of us in our homes and in our relationships, God, would we be worshipers in our very core? Lord, if there's some area you wanna highlight to us individually, God, we just open ourselves up to that. Lord, maybe we've given you our heart. Maybe we even serve you with our body, but Lord, maybe there's parts of our mind that we have given to other things. And there's a, there's a need to, to retune our minds to you. Lord, maybe it's all been internal and our lives need to reflect a little bit more what's happening in our hearts and minds. Lord, we need to be walking and in, in serving you and forwarding your kingdom. Lord, I, I don't even wanna say too much. Lord, would you speak to us about what this means for us? That we would be worshipers, a living sacrifice in awe of you, enjoying you. And Lord, would you renew us? Would you refine us individually, God, would you find us, refine us right here in this local body? May we walk in more and more unity as we love and worship you. God, would you do that in our city? Lord, may we just find ourselves aligned with Jesus followers all over town, so much so that those who don't know you are going, what is happening? May they discover you and your love because we are loving each other well. What a miracle, what a gift of your grace. God, we intend to worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.